So I I've locked myself in my uh, laboratory, as I call it. <laughs> it's uh, it's the closet with uh, my workbench and all my stuff. Channel F, the one with all the fun. The Fairchild Video Entertainment System at your larger JCPenney. The home entertainment system that never gets old. Plug in a new video card and change the fun. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the Channel F Files. This week, I plan on talking about the multi-cart that was released back in 2009 by Frederick Blueholes. He goes by the username E5Frog on Atari Age, and he has a YouTube channel as well, and his user ID is E5Frog, where you can go there and watch a lot of his different uh, Fairchild programming experiments that he's done in the past. Now, back to this cartridge. It's a really neat release that he's done. He's actually got a really nice box. It looks exactly like the boxes for the original Fairchild Channel F video carts. He even has the little rainbow insignia at the lower right-hand corner that goes around the sides of the box. And it has labels on the tops and the sides. It says, you know, Fairchild Multicart exclusively for use with the Fairchild Video Entertainment System. And on the back, he has all the different games that are on the cart. Uh, like, for example, we have all this, all 26 games are on here uh, that was originally released for the Fairchild. And he also has some prototypes on here, and some unreleased games. And he's also included on this cartridge the Pac-Man game that he programmed for the Fairchild. I never would have guessed the Fairchild would be able to handle Pac-Man. But uh, Frederick uh, really pulled this off. Uh, it's an excellent port of Pac-Man to the Fairchild, considering the limited hardware. Now, I had the opportunity to talk with uh, Frederick a little bit, and we're going to go into the interview here uh, right now. So, uh, what got you uh, interested in the Fairchild console? Um, we had uh, this machine when I was a kid. It was uh, a luxe brand, as uh, they uh, imported it to Sweden. So, uh, probably somewhere in 1980, I was about six and uh, was not allowed to play with it myself. So I remember playing uh, drag race with my mother, and uh, she beat me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, uh, well, the childhood memories. Then in uh, about 1995, I started studying at the university and all this internet stuff was invented or made public at least. So I started searching and found this odd little system that I recognized. After some uh, email spamming <laughs> of the whole <laughs> university, <laughs> I found a machine, a former rental machine, oh. uh, that uh, uh, it uh, it was a bit uh, unusual, as uh, it has an unusual uh, uh, program storage units inside that the usual machines don't have. Oh. Uh, 
it turned out later. Uh, in the original version or the uh, most spread version of the console, mm-hmm. you can't move uh, to the net in, in uh, tennis. But uh, on this version, you could. <laughs> and uh, in the ROM code, the difference is in only two bits in two different positions. So it seems it was uh, possible from the start, and then they patched it to make it a little easier, I guess. Well, that's kind of Something like that. So um, I'm still very happy with that uh, purchase. Now, is that the, the Saba video play, or what's the name on the console you have? This was the Luxor. The Luxor. Uh, video entertainment okay. uh, system. Did you get any so, games with it when you uh, found it? I believe uh, there were two or three cassettes. It's uh, the usual ones. Uh, one, twelve, and two or three or something like that. Okay, so you got the so, uh, nothing Fox special and there. Blackjack and baseball. Uh, yeah, baseball is very common. Yeah, it's a pretty common game. <laughs> uh, what are your some of your favorite games on this system? If I'm just playing for myself uh, for a while, I'm not uh, one of those uh, through the weekend gamers. Mm-hmm. I just play some Pac-Man usually. <laughs> your own creation. <laughs> yeah, and, and the reason is uh, because I have an ongoing high score competition with a friend who lives oh. in New York. Um, so I have to practice so I can beat him. <laughs> oh, so you got a competition going on the Fairchild Pac-Man right now. Yeah, I made uh, a version with the non-volatile RAM, so it keeps score as well. After you shut down, it's one of these uh, Ferro RAMs instead of usual RAM that loses memory when you shut it off. So uh, most of the time, the cart back it still has the memory, but we keep uh, photos for records just in case. Who's in the lead right now? Uh, I am. You are. (laughs) uh, My my friend. Jose hasn't uh, played much lately. He's been involved with women and such. <laughs> What's your high score on your Pac-Man? Oh, I could check it up if you want to. Oh yeah, because now I gotta try. I gotta try it up myself now. <laughs> it's not uh, a very impressive score, about forty thousand or something like that. Let's see. We're competing in uh, Princess Rescue as well. The <laughs> Mario game on Atari twenty six hundred. Yes. yes. So I, I'm lead in the lead there in as well. The there also. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. So let's see, forty one thousand three hundred points is my current record. Forty one thousand three hundred. All right. So it's not a whole lot. I'm sure anyone who enjoys playing Pac Man could beat it, but mm-hmm. uh, for me and Jose, we are quite evenly matched, so that's cool. It's a good sport. Yeah. What got you uh, interested in programming on the Fairchild? Uh, I think uh, actually programming 
the system came to life when uh, Sean Riddle got uh, gripped on the system. He found out that the Saba number 20 cartridge, the chess cartridge, uh, used a special circuit to interface with the common ROMs, not the program storage unit, but just plain ROMs. Mm -hmm. So he changed it into a multi-game, as he called it. And then he's uh, dumping cartridges and change the uh, demo cartridge code so he got a menu instead okay and he did this in uh, in a hex uh, editor so it was quite quite a feat to to get it done mm. then later on someone added the f8 instruction set to the dasn uh, assembler mm -hmm. and about the same time uh, Peter Crowner also released his F8 tool which could both assemble code and disassemble so you could just put the binary in and get the code mm. and then you had to work through it to understand what they were doing so uh, when it got a lot easier with these uh, tools I started poking around First with uh, Sean Riddle's uh, menu mm -hmm. and made a few changes, change colors, add games and so on. And then I started my own little projects and not a lot of them has been finished. <laughs> I guess it's uh, just Pac-Man and some uh, test programs I made that uh, are included in the multi-cartridge. So. I have some uh, some stuff in uh, the computer I'm working on. Oh, neat. What what inspired you to try to make Pac-Man on the Channel F? This was uh, all uh, the work of a guy called uh, Blackbird or uh, Tim Ryan, Tim Cameron Ryan. He was 15 at the time and uh, contacted me about uh, programming. Uh, I don't know where he heard about me, probably some mailing list or something. Mm -hmm. And he uh, had made uh, just a screen with the Pac-Man mace, nothing else. And I was very impressed and I took a peek at the code and helped him out a little added some stuff and uh, we started tag teaming with the code sending it back and forth and worked on it so uh, about uh, halfway through or so took over the project because Tim wasn't really interested anymore uh, and I guess two years older as well the initial plan was to make it a two kilobyte uh, game, mm -hmm. but uh, if we wanted to make a proper Pac-Man, we had to add a little size to it. So, mm. so I'm not sure why he lost interest. Maybe you also met some girls or something. <laughs> it might have. You never know. 
was probably only so, 15 when we started it. So. so how long did it take you to actually uh, get Pac-Man developed to a playable state? I guess uh, it uh, depends on what you mean by playable. Well, uh, to the finished product that you're actually putting out yeah. on cartridge. I think uh, first cartridge I sold probably took about four years. Wow. And that uh, was still not the finished code. There were no intermissions, and the ghosts were all just moving around in the same way, basically. Okay. So I added a lot of stuff during the whole sales time of the cartridges. What was the most... What was the most challenging uh, thing that you had to do on the Pac-Man code? What was the hardest thing for you to try to get coded in there? Uh, I was trying to get the sound in uh, at the same time as things moved, but uh, I just couldn't do it. I wasn't uh, up for uh, changing uh, the play song routine that we used for the sound effects. It's very uh, CPU intense and cycle exact just mm-hmm. to get the right frequencies. So I basically just paused everything and played the sound. Okay. And uh, in some places I cut the sound up in pieces and then played a little piece, changed the graphics, played a little more and so on. Okay. So uh, the background siren noise—that's something we have to skip. And there are still a few details in uh, the game that we were planning to add, but uh, mm. it never happened. So there's still some details uh, that are uh, in the back of my head that I haven't <laughs> solved. <laughs> Well, that one sound effect when Pac-Man gets caught by a ghost, that was pretty impressive considering, you know, it was on the Channel F. It sounded almost like the arcade version. Yeah, and that's not very strange. Yeah. Uh, What I did was to get samples from the arcade game, uh, and then I put them into a sound program. I checked the medium frequency of just a piece, just a few milliseconds. And then I transcribed that frequency to the play song code, this routine that can play music, and try to play the exact frequency on the Fairchild machine. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the whole uh, sound effect was built up by little pieces of sound uh, bits uh, just a milliseconds or so long so it was uh, a lot of work i also made the the other sound effects but i couldn't fit them in the game so there is a siren sound okay that is not included oh on the uh the actual box box itself and the box art did you create that i uh, stole bits and pieces here and there. (laughs) And I had some help of my friend in New York, uh, Jose. So uh, if you uh, search uh, the internet for Pac-Man, I'm sure the the image I used will pop up in some form. 
I basically stole all the little pieces and just put them together. <laughs> the, everything else on the box is basically just uh, from the original boxes. So, oh, okay. so a little hack. So where, where were you able to find uh, cartridges to use? I uh, oh I've always had some scrap carts left oh. over with uh, poor labels or no labels or no edge labels because they fall off a lot. Yes. So uh, these uh, usual cartridges we mentioned earlier, number one and twelve and so, these are very cheap to buy and uh, there's a lot of them. So I simply just bought as many cassettes at the time that I could. Okay. Remove the labels, put my own PCB in and my own labels. I think uh, that's how a lot of homebrewers do for other systems as well. Yes, so yes. It's, uh, it's an expensive thing to make and uh, it's hard to find uh, just a generic plastic box that will fit. I actually made a 3D model of the cartridge later on, but uh, wow. it was about uh, $70 a piece, so Whoa. it was not, uh, at this time, it's not a viable solution when you oh. can get a cartridge for maybe five bucks or so, or less. Sounds like you need a source to find a bunch of dead cartridges to come your way. Yeah, or a bunch of money to make a mold yeah. have them injection molded. So you actually 3D printed a Fairchild channel F cartridge? Yeah. I, I think the most impressive feature was that I caddied it in SolidWorks that I've never used before. Oh wow! It, it was fun. So do you do you have actually do you have a picture of this cartridge and does it work in the system? Uh, yes, sure. I have. I could email them to you yeah, if you like. That's awesome. Yeah, I like to I like to see a 3D printed Fairchild Channel F cartridge. That's that's really neat. Yeah, it is. That's uh, awesome. You can, you can buy your own, I think. I put the plans out on Shapeway. Well, that's cool. Shapeways. Have, uh, so, since, since cartridges are so hard to find, have you ever considered maybe just selling like a PCB kit or something like that for people to assemble their own cartridges if they got a dead one? I, I probably uh, would or could, but I uh, currently have maybe 40 cartridges. Oh, wow. So I don't think I'm running out in the next two years or so. Okay. They don't uh, move very quickly. <laughs> it's not uh, it's not a big system like no. uh, NES or Atari 2600. So it's a slow pace. Yeah. I always have the 3D printing to fall back on if I have to. Oh, yeah. Concerning the uh, the multi cart that you uh, that you're putting out now, uh, so did you and Sean Riddle both work on that project? Sean Riddle uh, made the first working multi game, mm-hmm. but uh, he just put the details out on his website, and they are still there, so anyone can go there and make their own oh, if they okay. want. Then I added games, uh, updated menu, and so on. So it has uh, changed a lot. I've made the current PCB all by myself, 
and so on. So, oh, wow. But uh, the code is originally Sean Riddles. So, okay. I have a dedication on the label just for him. Yeah, I saw yes. it on the menu as well when I fired it up this afternoon. Yeah. Now, what other programs have you done for the Fairchild besides Pac-Man and making this multi-cart? The, uh, the ones that are included on the multi-cart are uh, Hangman uh, with Swedish words. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, and that's just a hack, really. Uh, and then I've made a ROM test program. You can test the RAM in the, the monthly cartridge itself. Okay. Check that it's okay. So Pac-Man won't crash or anything like that. <laughs> it was originally made for the Saba 20 PCB, where there are four small RAM circuits, so it's perhaps not uh, a very important piece of software anymore. Okay. But uh, it was nice. I made a fun uh, uh, text writing routine there in the startup. You can check it out if you like to. Okay. And then uh, there is the test controls program, which is uh, a nice one. Yeah, that program is really nice. I use that to set up a USB joystick using the MESS emulator so I can oh. assign all the buttons and all the controls from the channel F controller onto my USB stick. It worked like a charm. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And uh, I think I actually wrote it because uh, because of mess. Uh, it uh, loses the settings now and then, and yeah, things yeah. get messed up. <laughs> so, uh, but it works on the real machine too. You can test uh, on both joysticks and the buttons on the control and see if they're working properly. And then uh, I also included. Uh, International Karate, or IK. Uh, it was uh, a program I copied from the Commodore 64, and I guess it's been released for other systems as well. Uh -huh. I just uh, transcribed all the sprites, and I got two guys there that are supposed to be fighting. And it works pretty well. Uh, but uh, I haven't finished it, so you can basically just uh, hit the other guy in a single position, <laughs> and when that's done, they just restart, uh, reset the initial, initial positions. So uh, I was going to uh, make a nice big table uh, of hits, uh, a hit table, so you know. The distance and uh, which sprites are shown or graphics so you know if you hit something but uh, I never got to that <laughs> <laughs> yet I haven't given up yet I just haven't felt like it yet <laughs> so yeah I still included it on the multi cartridge as a, as a demo oh. so uh, other than that I have a few little projects. Uh, the one that's actually playable right now is the latest one. Cannibal Slug Battle. Oh. It's a uh, worm slash Tron game. Oh, wow. 
where you can uh, you can lock the other player in with your snail trail or uh, and then you're supposed to collect eggs uh, your own and the other players eggs and then you go on to the next uh, round and there's uh, eggs are laid out in different patterns and so on. Oh wow. So uh, it's still uh, it's playable and uh, there's uh, a lot of graphics but uh, it's not finished yet. I have a beta on uh, YouTube that's oh, been wow. a while. A lot have happened since then but I'm wow. not going to show anything more until it's done. <laughs> <laughs> what is your uh, YouTube channel so people can go and check out your work? I'm uh, under the same alias as usual, uh, E5Frog. E5Frog, okay. So uh, if you just, or you could just search for Cannibal Slug Battle and uh, it'll pop up in the first hit. Do you have like a, your own personal website that you have like a, a update of what you're doing or do you go to other websites and do that? Uh, I mostly write in uh, forums uh, uh, Atari age for sales of uh, multi-cartridge and uh, a few other Swedish forums. Mm. I have uh, two uh, web pages actually with mostly static information. Mm. It's the Ves Wiki dot com uh, that uh, Tim Ryan started originally okay. and I took it over that as well so you, you you actually run the VES wiki webpage right now yes oh uh, I've used that webpage it's a good webpage yeah it's information if you want to program or just want hardware information about the channel app so mm. I use it a lot myself when programming. We try to put uh, all needed information there. And I fill in details as I go by mm. new stuff now and then. It actually crashed. So I, uh, the version I put up is a bit old. Mm -hmm. I'm still uh, uh, writing information that was lost in the crash. Oh, I think it okay. was uh, Tim's computer that uh, was infested by virus or something like that. Mm. So it's, it's still uh, not as complete as it were once in a time, but it's almost there. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one writing, I mean, it uh, takes a while to get oh, there. Yeah. Yeah, yes it does. And then uh, I also have my old site with uh, just pictures of boxes and labels and stuff. It's called channelf.se. Uh, so it's the Swedish domain. Okay. Uh, I started it long ago and uh, I think I have most of the label variations. You can read all the... Uh, instruction manuals for all the American cartridges at least. Mm. So if you find a uh, number 24, 25 with no instructions, you can go there and read it. Sometimes it's uh, necessary to understand these games. Uh, yes. It can be a bit sparse. <laughs> I started that page long ago, so it has uh, 
come out fine. I'm very pleased. But I don't have any uh, new information page or news or anything like that. Just hang around at forums and play around it with the code so at home. <laughs> when, uh, when my family lets me. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me about your uh, Fairchild Channel F programming experience and your cartridges and everything. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, I'll try to talk to you sometime on the forums. Yeah, maybe I uh, will push some buttons here on my phone and call you by mistake. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. That's fine, no problem. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. If you wish to contact us to share any memories or stories or have questions about the Fairchild Channel F, use my ColecoVisions podcast email at ColecoVisionsPodcast at gmail.com. Check out our blog at thechannelfffiles.blogspot.com. We also have video portions of this podcast that you can view on my YouTube channel, Arcade USA.